WCLS in Whatcom County presents Library Stories, a podcast to open your eyes to all the ways your local public libraries matter. Join us as we reveal the power of sharing at the library. I'm your host, Neil McKay, Online Experience Coordinator for the Whatcom County Library System. And today... So I'm here with Mary Vermillion, my boss, as Hi, usual. Neil. Hello, Neil. Hi. And we've got, uh, you know, one more great episode. You would think after 28 episodes, we might be, we might be, you know, running out of things to talk about, but we're just scratching the surface. Of no, what's... you knew from the start, right? That there <laughs> was like endless stories. There's no way we're, we're just, as you said, just scratching the surface. And so every time you and I look at each other, like, what a story about, what if we interviewed, how about something about, there's just like endless things. And right. And, and as we're deciding to do something, five more things pop up mm-hmm. that could be done right away. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you've been asking people and I'll just say it here straight up here at the start. If you listeners have an idea for a podcast, please reach out to Neil. He'd love to hear from you. Like what, who do you want to meet? What do you want to learn about? You know, uh, what backstory do you need from the library? That's right. And also, you know, what do you think about our podcast? Have you mm-hmm. been listening regularly? Are you a are you a fan? Or are you, are you just an occasional listener? Are you a family member? Are you a family <laughs> member? Are you one of the one of the people I've I've twisted their arm to listen? And um, but we're always looking for feedback. We always want to make sure that this podcast is relevant to our audience mm-hmm. and mostly Whatcom County people. Of course, worldwide. You're welcome if you're in <laughs> in. Belgium or somewhere, feel free to tune in. Um, but, you know, our our real audience is Whatcom County uh, people, you know, who live and work here and know the libraries, come and visit. Or even if you've never been in the library, this is a good introduction to the library. Yeah. And I, your topic for today, I think will, I think we also have a category in the podcast that's something like amaze amaze and inspire maybe so if you you know just learning more about what you're going to talk about in today's podcast i think people are really going to be surprised by that and interested in this in this backstory at the library we try to um, make sure that everyone understands what goes on in the library no matter if you're if you're you know driving a truck for the library or if you're running the website or if you're working in a branch um you get to learn what everybody else is doing because it's all related. Yeah, absolutely. And and why is that important? <laughs> why is that important? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's important because because it's all related. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, our job, you know, no matter what your specific job is, your job at the library is to to serve the public and provide the public with with all the things they need. So yeah, so what happens is, and what happened to me when I first got hired, and I'm sure the same thing happened to you, Mary, Yeah, is uh, department managers, leads, would give you a tour of their department. Mm-hmm. So you would learn, you know, who, who works in the IT department and what they do. Mm-hmm. And you would learn who works in the youth services department or the community relations department. Yeah, and that's just here at the Administrative Services building, you know, so we have a building out on Northwest um, close to the soccer fields where administrative staff are. But 
we also try to do our best to get out to the branches and, you know, visit all the staff at the at the 10 separate branches that we have. And so that's learning that as well. It's all part of the puzzle. That's right. And it's and it's all fascinating. Mm-hmm. But none is more fascinating than the collection services department. Mm-hmm. And the manager of that department is Lisa Gresham, mm-hmm. who we interviewed today. And it's kind of a special interview because, like I said, we when you get hired, you get to tour the departments. Well, Lisa took us on a tour of collection services. And the collection services department is not small. Yeah. There are a lot of... Yeah. of because their job is large. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we get to meet the acquisition specialists, the cataloging specialists, the... The processing specialists, the collection maintenance specialists, and the ILL specialist. Yeah, so this is this behind-the-scenes look at the collection department, and um, you and Lisa just wandered through the building that day, and uh, you know I had been on the tour before, mm. actually more than once, but mm-hmm. that's a different story for another time. <laughs> it's always fascinating to walk through and hear what. Lisa calls the life cycle of a book. Yeah. So we hear a whole story as she wanders from one uh, section to another of her department. And we talk to the various people who who uh, kind of shepherd the mm-hmm. books through the process. Yeah. And then not just the books, but the board games and, oh, yeah. and digital materials. The digital I materials mean, they're too. just in charge of so many things. That the, you know, it's sort of the heartbeat and the pulse of the of yeah. the library system. Yeah. And then and then what happens at the end of the life cycle of the book? I don't want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a happy story. That's what we do today. And it's it's fascinating. We also, uh, I might save this for the end, but okay. Lisa and I uh, got into a, a little conversation, a debate, as, you, as it were, mm-hmm. not an argument, mm-hmm. but a, a debate about how many um, carts we have. So, ah. so carts, we have these, these carts that are probably four feet yeah. long yeah. and two feet wide. Yeah, something and they, like that. they yeah. hold books, yeah. you know, they're, you've seen them. If you've ever been yeah. in a library, mm-hmm. you've probably seen people taking books off of the carts and putting them onto shelves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have all these carts and we, um, we differed on opinion as to how many we have in this one particular office, our administrative services office. Oh, yeah. Did you get to the bottom of it? We, well, we both hazarded a guess. And then today I went out and counted, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't just trust myself. So, so Carol Oberton, our facilities coordinator, mm. came and uh, double checked my work. Ah, verified the number. Which I was figuring, you know, if someone else is counting and I'm counting, we're going to be mm-hmm. way off just because counting is never really my strong sure. suit. <laughs> but we were we were only apart by one. Oh, and so what's the final number? So well, I think I I think I should wait to the end of okay. the All right. of the show All to, right. to and say, say who was who was closest. You or, or was, Lisa, and then yeah. one of the two of you. You'll get... find out who what what we both predicted. Uh huh. And then you'll find out what's the, the prize. End. Just bragging rights or bragging rights is yeah. always the prize. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an exciting spellbinding uh, journey through Ooh, through uh, journey 
collection services. It it is it was a physical journey. We yeah. wandered through. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a behind the scenes look yes. at the library, which is one of the things that we hope to do here with this podcast. So yeah. let's let's hear your interview. All right, let's get started. I wish people could see you. You're all wired up like for action. I am wired up. This is not our usual podcast interview where I'm sitting across a desk from you with a microphone in a stand. We are we're on the move. We are on the move. We're so I should do some introduction first though. So I'm here with Lisa Gresham, who is the Whatcom County Library System Collection Services Manager. That's right. Yeah. And um we're we're going to wander through the administrative services office and and um kind of follow the path of what would you call this? Well, we do a tour for staff and we call it life cycle of a book. The life cycle of a um, book. So we'll talk about how things come into the system, how they get ready to go out and be on the shelves in the libraries, and then how they eventually leave the system. Yeah. Okay. That sounds interesting. And all along the way, we'll meet some of the many people that work with Lisa and with all of us. Um, Lisa is actually, um, she manages and, and help me if I, if I get this wrong, but you manage circulations, collections, maintenance and collection development, probably backwards, right? Collection development first and then collection maintenance. It does happen in that order. The acquisition, which also comes in somewhere between development and maintenance, I would say. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, and then cataloging, processing, which we'll learn about, I'm sure. Um, and she and Lisa also uh, manages the interlibrary loan system, which I hope we'll have time to talk about, and the integrated library system, which is the the brain of the library, wouldn't you say? Yep. Is or the backbone. The backbone. Anyway, that's where all the data lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that allows us to do everything that we do. All right. Okay. So, and we're here in her office and we're going to wander out into the uh, administration. I feel like I'm on a leash. <laughs> I'm connected to I'm, Neil with I'm, a big, long wire. It's kind of like out in space where you're tethered yes. to each other. And so we're that, floating around yeah, in so, the ether. So let's wander okay. and take it away. Well, while we're wandering, I'm going to start out and talk a little bit about um, selection because that's the first thing that happens when you know a book comes into the system. Selection. We do have a couple collection development librarians that do selection within my department. And then there's also other selectors throughout the system that select for other areas. And um, the thing that kind of anchors selection is the collection policy um, that provides guidelines for the selectors um, that kind of describe the shape and the scope of our collection. So the, um, the collection policy is is what we have written down that determines what what we what the selectors should be looking for when they select books. It's their guidelines. So yeah. it's kind of like the guardrails on a on a freeway. Okay. Um, and that is on WCLS.org if anybody wants to read it. It's um, on the library policies page. Okay. You can um, find it down at the bottom of the of the front page. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the the collection policy and then the budget, which is set for us each year by the board, kind of are the two of the main things that determine selection. How much money do we have to spend exactly. and how do we spend it? Um, so the selectors use different tools that are provided by, um, mainly by various vendors that we work with. 
Um, we will buy materials from any place that we need to to get them if we think that they're things that we need to have in our collection. But we do try and work with um, a couple of major um, vendors and distributors. And the reasons for that are that they provide us um, with some really great discounts because we buy from them in quantity. And they also do some of our work for us. So, for example, the... Um, jackets, protective jackets that you see on hardcovers and the kind of plastic coating that you see on paperbacks. Mm -hmm. That's really labor intensive to to put those coverings on books. And our vendors do that for us so that our staff doesn't have to do that. Um, so that's just one example of some of the benefits that they um, provide. And there are um, a couple other things that will come up as we move our way over to acquisitions, because that's what happens um, after selectors make their selections. They send our acquisition staff um, either a cart uh, or an email or something telling them, please try and get these things for our patrons. And so now we've wandered over into those acquisitions area. We have two acquisition staff, Amy and Sherry, and Amy's here today, completely surrounded by books. Wow, yes. Um, carts and carts full of books yes. with little pieces of paper sticking out of them. Yes. So, um, Amy, what are you doing right now? And what would you, maybe you could just kind of describe the main things that your job entails just for a, a kind of a layperson's point of view. The main things that acquisitions encompasses is ordering on the computer, unpacking, which is a really fun part because I get to see the shiny new books. And I put the books on carts and bring them here. Right now I'm and the third step, which is receiving, which I do on the computer first, it changes the status of the materials from being on order to being in process. And right now I'm getting them ready to go to the catalogers. So I'm putting a work slip in each and every item that gives the catalogers information. And all along the way, the items that have patron requests have priority over items that don't. So if, so if I've put a hold on a book and you purchase that book, it, you know that someone's waiting for it and, you're, and it goes to the top of the list? Yes, exactly. Okay. And everybody does their, <clears throat> everybody does their work on that item, the, the first thing. Okay. And I'm looking here. I just want to look. I just want to kind of help our audience because they're not, they're, they don't see things. But I'm seeing a cart right now with, Four James Patterson books. Um, there's 14 Louise Penny, oh. new Louise Penny World of Curiosities over there. But there's also two Icelandic knits. <laughs> and so for uh, for whoever um, wants to knit Icelandic patterns, I know we have a, a huge Icelandic population in Point Roberts. Is that, do you, was that something that was maybe requested or? I... Could look on my work slip here and find that out. Icelandic knits. Icelandic knits, yes. That has a request on it. Wow, okay. So, so to the top of the line. To the top of the line, okay. And one of the other things that Amy mentioned when I was talking about um, how we prefer to get things from vendors if we can, um, when we get things from vendors, when Amy places that order, that the vendor automatically uploads records into our catalog. 
They're just okay. really brief records that have a title and an author, but that means as soon as the order's placed, patrons can see that item and place holds on it. Oh. Which is a huge advantage. Okay. But you do, like if you can't find something from your vendors, your favorite vendors, then you do reach out to um, whoever you can. Absolutely. Yeah. A, yep. a, a small publisher in Oshkosh, Wisconsin Absolutely. or somewhere. Onward. Thank you, Amy. Um, so don't trip on your I cords know, know. and don't bumping into carts. We are surrounded by book carts here. We are. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Oh, my gosh. These are all <laughs> there's more, another, like 20 say, easily 20, right yeah. here. And these are all new books waiting to yes. get fully processed and wow. go out to people. So now we're in the cataloging area. We have two staff that work in cataloging, Anna and Kim. Um, Anna's here this morning working on a cart. And um, maybe if you can just describe for us, A, what you're doing, and B, like what the main part of your job is for somebody that's maybe never been in the back room of a library. Sure. So right now I'm working on a request cart. Like Amy said, these are at the top of the line because patrons are waiting for them. This shelf that I'm working on right now is mostly picture books, which are some of my favorite materials to catalog because I do get to see all the beautiful pictures. Um, and I don't have kids, so I don't typically read a lot of picture books, but uh, this job has kind of changed that for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so most of the cataloging that we do is what is called copy cataloging. So we subscribe to a database. What I'm doing is going in and finding an existing record and usually just making small changes to it to fit our catalog. And I am making choices about call numbers. So specifically with nonfiction, I'm choosing that Dewey Decimal number. Um, thinking about our collection and our patrons to try to make sure that we're putting materials in a spot where they'll be found by the patrons who want those items. So the Dewey Decimal System is, it's very specific, isn't it? It is extremely specific. Sometimes you could go out tens of decimal points and get very specific. We oh. cut it off at four decimal points. Okay. I'll have, I'll, I'll have on our, on our webpage, I'll have a link to what the Dewey Decimal System looks like. So, because it's an amazing, probably the most complex, uh, I don't even know what to call it, system, category, categorization system that I've ever seen. Yeah, I love it. I'm a very detail-oriented person, so this job is great for me. Um, but my main focus is to make sure that patrons can find what they're looking for. So we think a lot about access points. So that'll come from subject headings and summaries of books. We want to make sure that they're findable. So that's really the part of my job that I love the most is helping make sure patrons can find what they're looking for. Awesome. The other thing um, that Anna and Kim and Sherry and Sue have to watch out for is um, street dates. So patrons may not be aware that um, many of the popular items and sometimes items that you don't even think of as being super popular come to us with um, a date be before which the publish publisher has said you cannot sell that item. So we have to be really careful to keep an eye out for street dates and set those things aside and make sure that they don't get out on uh, the shelves before the date that we're allowed to place them out. Um, and I guess, yeah, just... Uh, just underlining what Anna said that uh, Anna and Kim are always um, 
They're always looking at BiblioCommons to see how is this going to look for patrons? If patrons yeah. keyword search this word, are they going to find this book? Because they should be able to find it if they're keyword searching. Yeah. Like, for That's example, Icelandic knits or. Sure. Yeah. Or And I'm just looking at, at the cart that's right in front of Anna and I'm seeing some, you know, clearly brand new books here, but also A Wrinkle in Time is there. So these look like they're mostly young adult-ish books, yeah, except this... for the Instant Air Fryer Bible. <laughs> this looks like, because this is a request cart, it's a mix of all different levels. Oh, okay. There are things that we've pushed to the front of the queue to make sure that they get dealt with right away. Um, and yeah, A Wrinkle in Time, um, there are lots of kind of all-time classics yeah, that we Louis L'Amour right there we continue Monument to repurchase Rock. over and over through the years sometimes they get a new cover that make them look you know a movie tie-in cover or sure, something because we just had a wrinkle in time movie a few years ago yep so we'll update to get you know the newest looking cover but we just want to keep things looking fresh so we're, we're we replace a lot of items that's good. Um, in the course of our work that's good because i've heard you know i i, I recently read an article that kind of described a uh, library as a huge warehouse of books. And that's not really what we are. I mean, we house books, but we're constantly going through and, and, and we, you call it weeding, don't you? Yes, we yeah. call it weeding. Yeah, I guess it's, it, it's fair to say that there are libraries that are huge warehouses of books, mm -hmm. but typically that's not how you would describe a public library, that we're much more of a living entity that's um, trying to represent um, the best of the past, but also, right. you know, current new trends. And and, um, and space is, is limited, no matter, you know, we have 10 libraries and an, an administrative office, but that is a limited space. Yes. yes. Well, and that's important. Um, I usually point that out to people when they're touring through in person that you mentioned we have 20 carts sitting here waiting to be cataloged full of books. All of those are going out onto the shelves in our branches, which are a mm -hmm. fixed amount of space. And so, you know, the most basic equation is new one comes in, one's got to leave. Yeah. Um, and, and circulation is one thing that kind of can kind of affect that. So, so if any patrons are listening and you've ever said, oh, I don't want to be greedy and take out too many books, please take out too many books because that helps us. So that changes that, you know, one in, one out so the, um, the equation. Books, the books that don't get checked out very often or like never in a period of time, they're at risk of going away, right? Something's got to go. Yeah. All these new things are coming in. Something's got to go. There are certainly, you know, things that we feel like are fixtures that, that they may not check out very often and we'll keep them anyway because mm -hmm. they're things that a library should have. So um, we do make, there's discretion involved in that those weeding decisions. And we'll talk about that more when we get to the very end of the book okay. life cycle. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it's the hard reality unless we're creating more space, bigger libraries, extra libraries, right, more shelf right. within our shelves within our libraries. Yeah, as we buy new things, old things have to leave. And it's a hard reality. It is. But and it's the truth. This might be a time to mention, I don't know if you had thought, but we haven't talked about digital resources either, but you are in charge of all oh, of yeah. our digital resources. That, that too, yeah, databases. We and forgot that. And that's not necessarily a space consideration, but... That's you are just, always looking at the best resources for 
for the patrons. Yes, right? and for, yeah, for the the budget is a constraint with some of the budget digital resources for sure. Thank you, Anna. We'll let you get back to your work. Thanks, Anna. We're moving on. Okay, next stop. Um, don't I'll, trip. I'll let you lead. Okay. Next stop would be when Anna and Kim finish carts, um, finish cataloging carts, they wheel them over here to this area. And as with other things, we separate the carts in this hallway and on one side are all the requested carts. So it makes it clear these should be done first. And on the other side are carts that don't have requests. And, you know, if they sit for a little bit longer until we can get to them, that's just the way of things. And so we're Heading into um, the processing department now. We're walking. Hi, into Christine. A door that says Mendry. our executive director, Christine, oh, is here. Hi, Christine. Look at Neil and I are leashed together by a microphone cord I think today. We need to get a photo of this. I know we should point. really. <laughs> I was just presenting Suzanne with her five-year anniversary uh, recognition. Yeah. Wow! All right, Suzanne. <laughs> hey, big congratulations. Well, that's really nice. That's exciting. We didn't know that there was going to be a celebration going on in the processing department when we got here. It's probably always a celebration in here, right? It is. You shut yeah. the door and the disco <laughs> lights come on. And... Yeah. Well, that's... we're playing games all the time. April and Suzanne were just showing me two of the new ones that came in um, that they're processing. Oh, wow. So is processing a game, is that code for playing a game? <laughs> Is that we're processing back here. <laughs> uh, so here we are in the processing department and um, Su with Suzanne and April. And since we're talking about processing games, what do you have over there? Um, I have our new Campfire Stories deck for kids. Ooh. Yeah, and it's a little card game that you can play as a family. Um, ages five and up is recommended. And I just played it with my five-year-old and it actually goes pretty well. That looks really fun. Mm -hmm. What do you do? So in it, you have um, each person will grab a character card and an action card, and you create a story around the character and the action, and then you continue the story through each person that plays, grabbing a new character card and a new action card each time. So, oh, that looks awesome. So the same story continued through different, every person yeah. continues the story. Wow. Just like if you were sitting out at a campfire. Wow, that looks really fun. Um, but that aside, here we are in the processing department, and this is where, Su Suzanne, do you want to tell what happens in here? What are you doing? Sure. Uh, so in this department, we get all of the new items ready to come out. We get them ready to be put on the shelves. And we, uh, so we end up stickering putting the spine labels on and taping and putting all of the identification stamps and stickers on things you guys have let me see one two three four five six seven eight i see at least 10 different kinds of tape here on your desk yes we have lots of tape it's it's a very good uh job for somebody who likes tape and is crafty so yeah and that's you it is <laughs> you it is were me. born yes. for this job yes <laughs> yeah so we, we put things like the little mystery stickers so that they're more easily found on the shelves. We we attach the barcodes and cover those in tape. Sometimes we even, uh, what we call Capco, which is cover the books in a plastic so that they last longer on the shelves. So I was talking about Capco earlier. That's the thing that our vendors usually do for us. But when you have to Capco a book, how long would it would you say it takes you to do a, a one, like a paperback? Uh, maybe like five to seven minutes. So that's when then you multiply that by what? There's maybe 
50 books on this cart. Mm -hmm. So if you had to Capco this whole cart, that would be a lot of time. It, it, would, it would be a lot of time. Uh, and it would be a lot of a lot of extra stress on our body parts. Yeah. So, so this is yeah. a real physical job. Huh? It is. It yeah. is a real physical job. That's why we we both really enjoy having the standing desks because mm. we like to stand up because it's easier to move around when you're standing up, right? So yeah. yeah. And game two. Oh, what's your game? I this one's I've got it over here. This one's called Azul. It's based on uh, Spanish tiles. So I think your, it is really pretty. I haven't uh, fully processed it yet, so I'm not totally sure how it plays. But um, it's uh, it involves uh, collecting tiles and um, making a pattern. So it's real good if you if you like uh, pattern recognition <laughs> like that. Cool. So yeah, that'll be ready to go out soon. How many people does it take to play? Do you? It says two to four, okay. ages eight and up, and it takes about thirty to forty five minutes to play a play a full game. Okay. And this is a, this has a, it looks like it has a lot of pieces. It does. It has a lot of little pieces. So we're going to have to um, get into it and open it up and uh, repackage a lot of it, which is one of the things we do. And we also have uh, this handy dandy, this handy dandy sheet that uh, the uh, community relations office printed out for us that has a checklist that we'll put in the top. So it shows how many of each piece and card and the rule book it shows how many of each is on there so, so it can... says let me just read that oh yeah. thank you for making sure all of the pieces are returned so that others can enjoy this game and then it has a checklist of 100 resin tiles four player boards nine factory displays one starting player marker four scoring markers one rule book and one linen bag and so when you're done when you're bringing the to the game back in you can tell whether you've Brought, put everything away exactly and you exactly. won't find the the resin tile under the couch six yes. months later yes that's what we're hoping for anyway yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the things i mean i think the um suzanne and april a lot of what they do is kind of repetitive um you know put on the stickers do it exactly this way put the tape here but then we've got these interesting projects like the board games or um you know, science kits for kids that have lots of different parts and um, it's creative and challenging because they have to figure out what are we going to put it in that's going to be easy for people to carry, that's going to be durable, that everything will fit. And then how will people know if everything's there, both patrons and staff? Um, so yeah. that those are the kind of projects where, you know, put on the brakes, everybody stop, clear the desks and we're going to sit. It's going to take us a while to figure these things out. Um, but probably some of the more fun, wouldn't you say, some of the more fun parts of the job? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's always fun to have to, you know, I like puzzles, so it's always fun to figure out how to put the puzzle together. Right. So, yeah. So that's, exactly. that's a lot of hard work just to make sure that the patrons can enjoy the games. There's nothing's worse than a jigsaw puzzle with one piece missing. Right. Yeah. Definitely. But I think it's worth it because... Um, you know, we want our patrons to use our materials again and again and again. So if we can spend a little bit of time on the front and make it durable and make it last, that way we're, we're you know, using our funds correctly and the patrons are getting something they can enjoy. So. Awesome. Okay. Great summary. 
Thank you. We would stay longer because there's all kinds of um, interesting equipment in here. I'll just mention quickly. There's a big laminator. There's a stapler that staples magazines and books. There's a disc cleaner. There's a huge cutting board. There's, yeah, cutting boards everywhere and cutting surfaces (laughs) and things. Um, But in the interest of continuing on. on, we'll move on. Thank you, guys. Thanks, April. Thanks, Suzanne. See you. you. (laughs) All right. So once they're done processing books, they wheel the carts over here and they leave my department. Distribution staff um, deals them out into totes and then gets in a truck and drives them and puts them onto, um, takes them to branches and branches put them on the shelves and hopefully people take them home and enjoy them and they're super well loved until they get to the end of their lives. And then what happens? And then what happens? <laughs> so eventually in the life of a book, um, at some point, it's going to wind, find its way back here. Sometimes that's because it's falling apart. And our selectors look at those materials and decide, you know, maybe we can just let go of this one. It's falling apart. We have other copies that are still in good shape. Or maybe it's like a wrinkle in time and it's a classic and we need to buy new copies. Um, sometimes it's for lack of use. Sometimes it's because something's, um, become outdated information, like with medical books or travel books, but eventually things wind their, find their way back here. We do have a pretty large collection here. That's mainly things that we feel like we need to keep in the collection, but they aren't really in good enough shape. They just look shabby a little bit to, so we don't really want them on the shelves and branches, um, so we do keep them here so that they're still accessible for people to put holds on. Um, but they're because they're not replaceable any longer, they're out of print, um, we can't buy a fresh copy. Um, how all of this happens is we have super critical staff called that we call collection maintenance staff. Um, you mean like super important to us, not super critical people who are no, no, they're not everybody. criticizing. Well, just... they have they have good, really good critical judgment skills. Let's put it that way. So they are super critical in that way, okay. and they're also really important in this process because we get all of these totes of books back from branches that either don't have room on their shelves or there's something wrong with them, and somebody's got to look at all of them because we mm-hmm. do look at um, pretty much every single one of them. So Elizabeth and um, Grace are our two collection maintenance staff, and Elizabeth is here today, and again surrounded by books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so got four carts. Maybe you can have, what like fifty? I mean, very. It's yeah, probably 200, 250. I'm trying to get them off this cart and onto one of these other carts so you know so some are emptying out but basically my job is to look at items that come in from the branches that they've pulled from their shelves for whatever reason and determine if the um, book is still in good condition or not if it's not in good condition then we want to move it along and then at that point I'll decide um, for some of the collections whether the selectors need to know about that item because they might want to replace it. Like you were talking about the Wrinkle in Time book, you know, we'll continue to buy copies of that. Um, And sometimes things come in because they're no longer circulating or they haven't been circulating. So something might get um, removed from the shelves, like say a James Patterson or Michael Connolly book that we bought a ton of copies when it came out a couple of years ago, but now we have 
more copies than we need. The demand isn't as high. So those kinds of items are usually what um, gets moved along from our collection to the withdrawal um, cart. But uh, sometimes things come in from like small branches. They haven't had a chance to circulate. And instead of uh, withdrawing them, we'll move them to like a larger branch to see if maybe that book will um, circulate, get some life in it, um, if more people get a chance to actually browse it and, and see it. So so let, let me understand that. So you've got, we've got a couple of really, three really small branches. Sure. Um, so if a book is at Island Library on Lummi Island mm-hmm. and no one's been checking it out, instead of assuming that nobody likes this book, we might move it over to Linden or Ferndale and see if a the bigger audience, the bigger patronage there might might have some interest in it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, so some of these books I was just looking at came in from Island and they will be going mm-hmm. out to other branches. The other thing we do is look at if, if we no longer need that many copies of a book in a collection. So we want to make sure that we pull the most used grubbiest book from the collection. So we might switch out an item that wasn't circulating at a small branch with an item that was circulating at a large branch and um, make sure that we pull that grubbiest um, Mm. copy from the collection and keep the best copy. Okay. Great. That was a, that was a great summary. Yeah. Um, So yeah, Elizabeth and Grace are basically sitting here all day looking at books and unlike um, the catalogers on the acquisition staff who get to look at the brand new books, they're looking at the books that are kind of old and sometimes tired. But um, I think um, one of the things that I really appreciate about the work that Elizabeth and Grace both do is that they're really trying to, um, or always keeping in mind that that these are all... um, taxpayer investments and we want to make sure that we've gotten our money's worth out of them. And if we haven't tried to find ways that we can, um, you know, put them someplace where they, where they will get used. Although I do want to say that sometimes, you know, selectors, we just buy duds. Yeah. You know, there are books that they sound really great when you read the reviews of them or the little synopsis and we buy them and put them on the shelf. And for whatever reason, things just don't click and nobody's interested in them. So those are ones that we might have around for a year or two and then just say, oh, this was a dud. We should just get rid of it um, and make room for something else that maybe is a little bit more compelling. Oh. So anyway. Okay. Well, I just want to say, I mean, I just want to while I'm while we're right here, because this is radio and people don't see things. I wanted I want to kind of recognize that we have basically gone in a circle yep. and and um we're right now kind of in the center of a bunch of cubicles and desks and of course carts probably yep. uh, do you know how many carts we even have I don't even know we a, have a lot a couple of hundred at least well, I don't know if we have a couple hundred. Ooh, Maybe. Now I'm going to have dozens, to count. Dozens, definitely dozens. Dozens of uh-huh. carts. And so yeah. and it's just it's just this busy active place where there's all these people doing their thing. And this is a really busy time of year for carts because mm. so much of the publishing cycle is fall releases. Um it's probably the busiest time of year for publishing cycle because lots of publishers are trying to get books out for um you know, holiday shopping and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So um, we have more and we're at the end of our 
budget year. So we're trying to make sure that all of our budgets are spent. So sure, sure. this is a time when there are typically, there's probably more carts of new materials here than you'd see at other and times of year. More activity going yeah. on kind of, yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Um, that's really kind of the end of the life cycle. Although just to say that um, even after Elizabeth and Grace have looked at things and decided that, no, we no longer need that material, we are still trying to get as much as we can out of those items that are withdrawn. So we do offer them to friends groups um, to see if friends groups can use them to resell um, oh. at their yeah. Friends book sales book and sales the, that. that book sale money goes back into the library to support programs at branches and things that aren't in our budget. And then whatever books the friends or materials that the friends don't pick up for their book sales, they do go to a third party vendor called Thrift Books mm -hmm. that tries to resell them online on our behalf and anything that resells there we get a percentage of that back that goes to the Whatcom County Library Foundation. So as much as we can, we're um, really trying to squeeze, you know, every bit of value out of the taxpayer investment in these materials as we can, whether it's value in use or value in resale once we're done using them for the yeah. library system. So anyway, wow. that's, that's the tour. That's, that's the, the tour. life cycle of a book tour. If we have time, we can move on and talk well, about interlibrary loan. Yeah, let's let's talk about that because that's that is an important and well used aspect of the library. Yeah, so, and that's what happens um, if patrons request materials that, for whatever reason, either we feel like they're outside of the scope of our library collection to purchase, or um, they are out of print and we can't purchase mm -hmm. them, then we will try and get those materials through interlibrary loan for patrons. Mm -hmm. And conveniently, we're really, really close to Sarah here. <laughs> Surprise! We're doing a podcast. <laughs> um, I didn't, Sarah didn't get a heads up about this because I didn't know if we She's were going to get this. So, yeah, she is. Before. She's, um, so Sarah is the interlibrary loan person who does all of the borrowing for other libraries. Do you want to tell us? Sure. Give This is for um, patrons. So yeah, give us yeah. the patron point of view. What sure. do patrons need to know about what you do? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, any anything that uh, somebody wants and that we're not able to buy uh, for the system, I will try to borrow it from another library in the country, um, sometime in the whole world. And then um, I'll place a request and we'll get it mailed to us. Uh, and then we'll send it out to the branch for the patron. Um, so that's about it. I'm just searching for items all across the world to see who might have them and if they can send them to us. And it's really fun. You get to see a lot of really kind of niche, rare types of things. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. Yeah. Great variety. I, uh, I use this myself. I've, I've used this, you know, several times, many times, I guess, but I can remember in particular one time when I saw Nancy Pearl, America's librarian, mm -hmm. recommended a, an out of print book, um, a novel that was that came out in the late 70s, early 80s about um, it was about the, the Nixon White House and Watergate. And it was a you know, it was just this odd little quirky, funny novel. And I, you know, went to our our page on the website for for the interlibrary loan, the, the can't find it page, and typed in the information, whatever information I had about it, and 
sure enough, all of a sudden, Sarah found it. Sarah found it, and it shows up in my holds. Yeah, so. that's right. Well, and I think the fun thing about interlibrary loans is to see because the few that I've gotten over the years, it's so fun to see where they come from. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this came from Wyoming. How exciting right, right. is that? So. Yeah, it always feels really special when you can, you know, get something from far away like that. And it's just like, oh, it's exactly the thing they're looking for. That just feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting is that people, you know, before I started working for the library system, I took a lot for granted that I know now is a whole lot of of teamwork and effort and and physical labor, you know, just to get the book that I wanted to have. So when I walk in the library now I, and I see a book, I know it came from this team. Yeah, so that's my team. That's, that's an, it's an amazing team. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. And thank you, Sarah. Well, in closing, <laughs> the library does a lot. <laughs> that's Helen. I, I don't have a good closing. Um, can I tell you about a book I'm reading? Yes, you absolutely okay. can. I um, am reading. I just started reading. Um, oh, now I'm having the deer in the headlights blank <laughs> out that Nancy Pearl talks about. I just started reading Barbara Kingsolver's new book, Demon Copperhead. Oh. And she's not my favorite author. I know she's really popular, but, you know, I've struggled with some of her books. But ever, this one's got, I had to wait for a while. I was on, in line for it and it finally came in. It is keeping me up at night. I just want to be home reading this book. Oh, no. Um, it's kind of a, and it makes me want to pick up um, David Copperfield again, because it's kind of a modern retelling of David Copperfield, oh. except her character is Demon Copperhead. Demon, because his name is Damon, and that's the nickname kids have given him, and Copperhead for a couple of different reasons, but mainly because he's got this copper-colored hair. Mm. But um, it's really, um, she's writing, he's a, he's a um, really survivalist plucky somewhat caustic sense of humor um son of a single white mom single wide trailer hollers of appalachia which barbara king Solver knows so well and writes about so well um it's narrated from his point of view and literally from page one i just my heart broke for this kid and i also am just in love with him and you know so invested in figuring out how he's going to work his way through his life because he has everything stacked against him so in the same way that david copperfield and dixon dickens kind of revealed you know institutional poverty mm. for that era yeah, yeah. barbara king solvers revealing it through demon copperhead for our era and you know pointing out that you know there are lots of problems that dickens hoped that um, you know, his novels would bring to light and help us push us as a society towards resolution. And we haven't quite gotten there. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I'm that's great. So loving so it, loving it and highly recommend it. Demon Copperhead. Demon Copperhead by, by Barbara, Barbara Kingsolver. Kingsolver. Yep. Okay. All right. That'll, that'll be in our list here. That's all I got for you, Neil. All right. That is plenty. I really <laughs> want to thank you for taking me through this tour. Yeah. Well, thanks for being interested in what my department I'm, does. I'm fascinated and I hope the audience is fascinated too. And if you want to come back later on for the deep dive, we can do that too. Cause we, this was the brief tour. <laughs> if you can believe that. That's a, yeah, there's so <laughs> much to this library system and so much to what you do and what your department does. And it's such a, you know, speaking from experience, it's such a fun and welcoming uh, 
group. Yeah, I do have, I have an awesome dedicated team. Go team. Yeah. Thanks, Neil. All right. Thank you. Mm. That's our show. Thanks to our WCLS collection service manager, Lisa Gresham, and the staff who appeared in this podcast. Acquisition specialist, Amy Flowers, cataloging specialist, Anna Kirby, processing specialists, April Prado and Suzanne Carney, collection maintenance specialist, Elizabeth Stewart, and ILL and circulation specialist, Sarah Miller. As always, thanks to my boss, Mary Vermillion. I don't understand it any more than you do, but one thing I've learned is that you don't have to understand things for them to be. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and tell your friends about us. And if you have any feedback, whether high praise or gentle criticism, you can find my email address on our website at wcls.org podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Neil McKay. Oh yeah, and if you're waiting to hear the results of my inventory of carts in the Administrative Services Building, well, it turns out that Lisa has a better understanding of how many carts there are. There are 142 carts.